Welcome to your transformation station. station. Socrates once wrote, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. It's time to rediscover your true identity and purpose on this planet. Together, we can transform our community one topic at a time. From groundbreaking performers, making their elixir your dose of reality, your transformation arc. This is your transformation station, and this is your host, Greg Favaza. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Your Transformation Station. I am your host, Greg Favaza. This show right here, you're about to listen to. If you're new to it, hit subscribe. And while you're at it, leave us a review. Hop on over to the iTunes slash Apple. And say, Greg, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. If you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hi, shoot me an email at yourtransformationpodcast at gmail.com. Stop by our Facebook page at YTS the Podcast. This show is extra special today. Why? I got myself a co-host. Yes. Larry Oliver, he is a straight-up news junkie, super geek, but quite fit for being a 69-year-old man. And that's not what makes this show exciting. What makes this show exciting today and every week, I haven't decided a day when I'm going to be releasing this on a consistent basis, but I will let you guys know soon. We go into politics. Ugh. God, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. I never watch politics. I think it's complete garbage and pretty much horse shit. However, Larry knows quite a bit. He brings a new perspective to the table where we look at what's happening today in America. He's been through numerous presidents. He's rose from the age of the dinosaurs. He... He's got his driver's license taken away. He can't even see more than five feet in front of him. But that's okay. Larry knows quite a bit. And let's get informed. Let's start establishing some self-awareness and start learning how we can be better civilians. Damn it. Better civilians. I did it again. Better citizens. No, you have a really good voice. It makes me think about, uh, I don't know if you, if you remember the movie uh, Ghost Rider with uh, Old Man, who's kind of like the cowboy. Who's, uh, Are you talking about Sam, Sam Elliott? Yes. I think, I think it is. With the, He's got he, a real big white mustache all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, You're yeah totally... I've, I've been told that, and actually I've done some, you know, can you do this read like Sam Elliott? <laughs> I go, no, I can do the read like Larry Oliver would do it, sound, trying to sound like Steve Elliott or Sam Elliott. And, you know, I mean, it's a lot of gravel. Uh, and, and you got to hear them to get the right pitch. But yes. at this old age, it's pretty easy to add gravel. 
it's awesome. No. Um, yeah, the other pe- person that people say when they hear my voice, if I do a soft up close read, is Donald Sutherland because uh, he's just real quiet and can be very calming. And, Wait, what yeah. movie was he in? Uh, he's been in so many. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Everybody, of course, knows his son um, from 24, uh, Keith Sutherland. Uh, oh. I'm, I, I don't know if I can pull out of my mind a recent movie because Donald is old. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, he still does the orange juice commercial, Florida orange juice commercial on national television. That's mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland. But okay. I don't think he physically could actually do a movie. <laughs> you know, it's pretty strenuous work. I'm I'm more of a, a face guy. I'm yeah. I'm very, very hyper observant in all my surroundings and I kind of just remember every detail to somebody. Wow, that's is some of that from your military training? Uh military training, also kind of training myself, I guess, with being like growing up in a chronic, stressful environment, you kind of adapt, dissociate from reality and utilize safety patterns in your own brain to uh, protect yourself. And my thought process was just understanding people's intentions before they actually act. And I'd done so much research as far as books. I had like over 30 downstairs. I still keep reading them just to understand people's tics, why they move their hands. What do they do before they are about to say something, you know, and it all just becomes, it's like a cluster of information that spikes me in my head right when they're about to do something I already know. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. I, what, especially today, where having those skills is, is really helpful for everybody. Everybody should do that. I find myself. I live in a very urban area in 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 St. Louis. You know, real close to Tower Grove Park. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's in the South City. And when I whenever I get out of my car, especially at night, before I actually open the door, I I just kind of check around, see if there's anybody hanging, you know, that I need to be aware of. Uh, Very I'm intelligent. I'm not hyper, but it's just, I, I try to be a, aware of what's around me. But like for a lot of people, uh, old people that are like older than I am physically, because I'm in pretty <laughs> decent shape for an old guy. And women and girls, they need to hear from somebody like you, a contemporary age-wise, the younger people, how important it is to be hyper-aware. I mean, not to be paranoid, but just be aware. I, there's like three people over here to my right, and there's one in front of me, and i got this weird guy behind me. Just not that anything's going to happen, but just knowing that makes you be a little bit more alert and aware mm-hmm. just like in the grocery store if some people never wonder is somebody coming around the cart really you know around the corner with their cart really fast and i'm one of those people that before i like go across the aisle i kind of slow down and peek around what's going on you know and then continue uh, i mean it's very important i mean just the fact that you are aware of the environment is a deterrent in itself because if we look through the eyes of the per- a possibility of an individual that is following you or thinking about following you, your awareness will have them shift to a new victim. As sad as 
that is that is the reality. There are people out there who do want to do something to somebody, and it's not good intentions. But wow. uh, I mean, that's that's an interesting fact in it of itself. Mm-hmm. That it it can be a deterrent. Uh, I like that. What did you talk about uh, on your Monday show? Did you do a? a... Yes. Okay. So with the um, Monday, I I went into details as far as how we look back on past transgressions as far as that is the hindering factor in our success today because if we haven't experienced achievement or we haven't experienced achievements lately we tend to fall back on previous events in our childhood as our social upbringing things that weren't good and that starts to bring us down sadly. And then when you keep thinking about it, you actually start to develop the physical traits of that experience that happened so long ago. As far as you get anxiety, your um, complexion in your face starts to change, start to look older. It's just, it's really interesting. And I'm doing a lot of reading with it is to understand what if you could swap it around as far as rather than worrying about a situation is to remember a positive experience and how that felt the for me my gaining my expert infantry badge three weeks of just pure hell blood sweat and tears it was amazing as far as everything that i went through at this moment i can barely stand covered in sweat and i feel so alive and i always look back on that moment right right when i'm about to actually do something that's uh, that's what you, that's amazing. You said a couple things that I find extremely amazing. Um, have you ever heard of a fellow by the name of Doctor? I call him Doctor Joe. Uh, his name is Doctor Joe Dispenza. D i s p e n z a. D i s p e n z a. Doctor Joe Dispenza. Google him when we're done and. He's got a a plethora of videos out there. But what's really interesting, I mean, his whole focus is based almost on what you just said. His whole focus, he's, he's a doctor of chiropractic. You know, he, he's a chiropractor. But that he doesn't practice chiropractory, however you would conjugate <laughs> that correctly. He, uh, for the past 10, 15 years, is been researching extensively human mind and psyche for example uh he if you can't change your life if you can't change your thought yes and your the knowledge you acquire is for your brain the experiences you you acquire are for your body for the vessel so when you experience that hell you went through, for example, in infantry to get your badge, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine the hell, but watching movies, if there's any realistic, I mean, what they do to find soldiers to train them for everything that could possibly happen. It's, it's the worst case scenario you're trained with so that almost any situation you know instinctively how to deal. Okay, so these experiences communicate the shit to the brain. The brain obviously takes the knowledge and produces a thought. I think, therefore, I am. 
the thought of the chair is what's real, the chair is not. Because if I destroy the chair, the chair is still in your mind, the mm -hmm. thought. So his whole deal is our, so many of our problems, our challenges, our obstacles that keep us from moving forward, progressing and enjoying the success and the abundance that we're supposed to have, that each individual is supposed to have, um, if, if you want to go down that road and believe on that, which I do, but I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I'm stuck with it. Um, and I try to stick other people with it, like my kids. I've tried instilling that, you know, positive thoughts generate positive things. But the, to really drill into it and understand that when we wake up in the morning, our body wants everything to be this just like it was yesterday. Yes. We're used to it. It's habits and rituals. It's easier. It's not uncomfortable this morning to do what you did yesterday morning, even if that's not what you should be doing. Your body will make your mind think, well, it's okay. But if you can train your mind chemically, ultimately, you're, you're going to alter the chemistry in your body, the synapses, and, and even genes. He, over the past 10, 15 years, he's done over 8,500 brainwave to 8,500 different people. You know, okay. looked at the imaging of their brains at different times, what their what portion of their brain's processing what. Mm -hmm. He's gained this enormous experience in book, if you will, of knowledge about thought and how it affects what we do. So his concept is we, we as people rely on things that happened in the past, our experiences to predict the future. But that's why most of us can't change or easily change the future because we're locked in all of that shit in the past the same chemistry the same habits that's what we're going to go to today it's easier and more comfy if you take us hit hit one of his keys is meditation and he says you know if you're busy you, you meditate for 20 minutes a day if you're really busy, you meditate for 120 minutes a day, you know, you meditate for an hour and a half, whatever. Yeah. His whole point is, in it, if, if you get to a point in meditation, or you're truly, I call it just being present, devout your body and, and let your mind go. That's what develops those new thought patterns that can ultimately change tomorrow. Because yes. we use the same thought patterns. Nothing's really going to change. That's Joe Dispenza. He says it much more eloquently than I do, but he's got some great videos. Highly recommend at least watching a couple, two or three. They're generally long. So unless you really get into them, you're not going to watch a complete video. You're going to say, nah, next. Mm -hmm. But get a feel for them. I think there's some stuff you might like. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. But if we look, like when you said the, the chair analogy is that like is that a freudian or Dar darwism i'll learn to that it, yeah i i've heard of both of those it's uh the philosopher that i think therefore i am yes why this is the fun thing about being old um and the first thing that goes is your memory you would know his name and um i promise i will get that back to you it it's the famous and everybody, anybody that's listening, they know who that philosopher is. I know it. I can't give you his name, but it is a school of thought. Um, I think, therefore, I am. Yes. 
an old ancient philosopher. Wait, Socrates? Not Socrates. Um, Aristotle. You know what? We have this thing here uh, that I always forget. Um, It's called Google. Yeah. And if I just plug in, I think. Yeah, Larry Googit. Therefore, I am. If I typed it right, what's it say? I think, therefore, I am. Yeah, all I'm looking for, why don't you discourse on method? Descartes. D-E-S-C-A-R-T-E-S. Descartes. That was the philosopher. I did not. I never knew that one. I'm going to uh, he, And again, he's one of those ancient, I think, Greek philosophers. You said, I think Socrates. I think he was from that era, maybe a little more contemporary than that era. That's really interesting. But um, yeah, there we go. So I love Google. I always, so many times when I'm with people or talking and somebody goes, yeah, I wonder what, and you know, then one of us has a brainstorm. Fuck, let's Google it. Okay. Or yeah. even Siri, don't <laughs> even have to plug it in. Just say, hey, Siri, who said, I think therefore I am. Anyway. Uh, yeah. What else is going on in your world? Did you happen to see question? And it's kind of a loaded question mm-hmm. um, because of our conver- phone conversation. Did you happen to see the Axios interview that John- Jonathan Swan, the, the reporter, had a long ass interview with 45 with President Trump? And they finally released a bunch of it to news media outlets. Wow. Did you see any of it? No, I, I honestly do not watch the news. I don't have a fucking clue what's going on with today in the world because it's a lot of bullshit paltering uh, and nonsense, but yes. I, oh, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. I'm a news junkie, but most of the news that people um, digest, it, comes from news talk shows, not really news, mm-hmm. you know, there, and there aren't news anchors, they're talk show hosts that has a bunch of pun, alleged pundits opining on different shit, you know. Anyway, this, it, it, probably YouTube, you can grab pieces of it. So revealing, so revealing um, on this guy that's, leading the country. But, but again, I'm a news junkie uh, and it doesn't matter what side of the fence one's on. If they watch some of this interview, I mean, you'll see the real guy that's leading the country. Uh, I mean, here, let me give you an example of of a question in almost verbatim answer. Um, you're familiar with just recently a congressman by the name of John Lewis died. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so, so John Lewis. All right. No, this is cool. Cause we talked about this kind of stuff and let's, well, this is our, um, uh, well, we'll call this civics 101 versus yes. politics or government. But so John Lewis was an Afro-American dude mm-hmm. who um, in the 1950s was 19 or 20 years old kind of guy okay so he grew up in and he he came from a place in troy alabama so he and his family experienced some of the most severe 
uh, treatment or mistreatment that, you know, black folks could endure. Mm -hmm. And it was before that uh, Afro-Americans or any minority for that fact had necessarily a right to vote because that, that right, that amendment didn't occur until 1963 or four, I believe is when that law was, it was passed into law that no, everybody's equal and everybody gets to vote. It doesn't matter if you're black or not. And yeah, yes, a black yes. person can drink out of the same water fountain as a white person. Um, it's okay. In the deep South, it wasn't and there's parts of the deep South where they still have the segregated water fountains and bathrooms. They don't necessarily enforce them, but so he grew up in that environment. And if you're familiar with the Pettus bridge, in, in Bloody Sunday, when um, it, it was in the early 60s, he and a, a bunch of other folks walked across the bridge into an area that they were told they're not welcome. He and many others were beaten and killed for just, his skull was cracked. It's on, you know, the black and white original newsreel footage wow. with Billy Clubs literally cracked his skull he woke up in the hospital um he was arrested some 40 times over his life but anyway he ultimately as a fairly young man was elected to congress and he served served in congress for i don't know 30 plus years 35 years mm -hmm. it's a whole different story about um should there be term length you know minimums maximums whole different subject but anyway he died of pancreatic cancer just in the last two weeks. But he's a great um, icon to the country, and most especially if you're Afri African-American. I mean, he's one of um, the civil rights leaders. I mean, on the same level, really, as Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, that whole group of people. Okay, so he just recently died. Um, you know, he, his casket was in Leiden State at the rotunda of the Washington, D.C., halls of Congress, mm -hmm. very respected, regardless of where people are from and all of that. He's an icon. He was an icon. In the interview, in the interview, um, Swan asked uh, 45, I said to him, uh, so what, you know, what, what are your thoughts about on the passing of John Lewis? And 45 said, you know, he didn't come to my inauguration. And then he went on to, you know, I built the greatest economy. Now, I mean, not to say he was a great statesman next, but, but that, that was his one statement for this guy that served the country as a congressman for, I think, 30 plus years, but was a, a huge leader in, in the civil rights movement. I mean, an icon. One of the last, I think he's the last of that generation. Everybody else is, you know. If we look at that, as far as like him deflecting, I mean, the fact that you described this guy as such an amazing icon for African-Americans and then just not even acknowledging what he's done for America and just completely blew it off like it was nothing really says a lot about his character. And that's what I'm saying. I in in yeah, you probably can get a hint as politically where where I come from. But as, as being as objective as I can, and today it's hard to be objective, 
But what I will tell what you just said is so observant and, and so spot on to describing 45. Because um, if you stop and think about it, uh, Lewis served his country for years, made huge sacrifices, being arrested 40 times for being a, a, an obedient protester. Mm -hmm. um, having your, your you know, be, beat up with a billy club. Um, you know, a, a just a man with principles across a fucking bridge. And the person that totally disrespects you made up having bone spurs on his foot so he wouldn't get drafted. Kind of a yeah. weird comparison. Um, you know, a guy that grew up in Troy, Alabama without running water or indoor plumbing. Okay, versus a guy that was born with a silver spoon in his hand and has been went has filed bankruptcy. It, yeah, it wasn't personal, but it in his corporations it is him. Six fucking times. Six fucking times through his life, and he's the best businessman in the world. I mean, if you listen to him. If we look at the the dividing factor between the other, um, what was the guy with his head bashed? What's his name again? John Lewis. John Lewis. And then we have 45. There's a difference between those two, and one has principles and the other one that does not. And with that kind of behavior, that doesn't go away. It only just gets refined and gets, they get better and better at what they do than what the other person helped this world. And that's disgusting just to see that running America right now. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I believe on the government side, you know, when we, we talk about politics, you have to look at the levers, levers of power, because there's a lot of levers of power that not only run our government, but run the world. And a lot of the levers of power certainly aren't elected, appointed, or out front. I mean, some can say one of the levers of power in our country are many of the special interest groups. The media is certainly a, a power lever. Uh, and there's more than one media power level lever if you will. So, you know, there's all these levers being pulled constantly. And that's why, in my view, the leader of, of our country really is ultimately the leader of the free world. There are, we, it, the United States always used to be that when they respected our, our leadership. Um, I don't believe they respect our leadership. That's pure opinion. I don't believe they respect our leadership. Um, if anything, they fear it, not because of power, but because there's an unpredictable guy at the head of it. You know, it's kind of cool to be unpredictable, you know, but when you lead a country, when you lead the world, um, you know, your allies and your enemies kind of got to know how you're going to react to something. Mm -hmm. Um, is it a cool bargaining tool not to show all your cards, you know, when you're playing poker or you're trying to negotiate a business deal? Yeah, I mean, you know, you use it wisely. But when it comes to international politics in a world that's as explosive as today and as divided 
as the world is today. I've never seen the world be as polarized as it is, as divided, as people not even willing to listen to somebody with a different view. Well, you're wrong. You're fucking crazy. How could you think that? You know, Larry, I got a couple um, of questions there. So who do you think is actually pulling the leathers? Do you think it is uh, number in quotations 45 or, and my other question was before I forget this is, um, do you think America can actually handle the truth? What's really happening right now? Let me answer the first question. The second question sure. first. Um, one of the really big challenges today for so many people, especially non-news junkies, I'm not saying that being a news junkie makes me better or smarter because I don't believe that. But what I do believe is it's real hard to figure out what the truth is. Yes. Um, because one, because of media, and two, because at the leadership level, if we just talk about the pandemic for a second, talking about truth, um, you've got the, the doctors and scientists that really aren't, don't have a political lever, these lever, these, these career long, you know, specialists in infection diseases that they get turned on when they look in a microscope and see microbes <laughs> and shit. I mean, they don't give a fuck about, you know, vote no. for me. I mean, they may give a fuck about keeping their mm. job, you know, but that that's on a different level of politics. But so you got those guys telling you about, you know, how we can potentially, you know, get our arms around the pandemic and, and make it as safe as we can yet have the economy open because the economy has got to be open. Kids have to go to school, but we have to do it wisely. So we infect as few people as possible until 60, 80% of our population, the world's population ultimately, but our country's population is inoculated and or has developed their own immunity against this shit. And until we learn more about it, because it is a novel virus. Mm -hmm. So, so you got those people, the people that have the knowledge telling you what to do and what's going on. And then you got fucking 45 who says, you know, drink Lysol and, you know, sit under an ultraviolet light and it'll go away. You know, we're doing great. Yes. In the same, back to this interview, because this answers your question and then I'll, I'll answer the first question. <laughs> so in this interview, um, the reporter, Jonathan Swan said to 45, you know, the, the pandemic, the epidemic, it, it's getting out of control. You know, there's 155,000 people that have died from it. And uh, the 45 started to disagree with them on that it's widespread and uncontrolled. And Swan said, you know, but 155,000 Americans have lost their lives to this thing. And he goes, well, I don't know if, if that's right. Whatever it is, it is. Mm -hmm. 155,000 lives, whatever it is, it is. Tell that to, you know, the mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and friends of the 155,000 people that died. Could you imagine the president sending a letter to a soldier that sacrificed the ultimate in serving his country? And, and the letter started out to the parents, you know, Sorry to tell you this, but in this attack on whatever your son gave his life, it is what it is. 
but we're going to, you know, take care of it and bury him here in our, it is what it is, is hundred, his attitude on 155,000 deaths that could he have stopped those deaths? I don't know to what degree, but that gets back to the truth is a real problem. So who do people believe? The orange guy or, you know, the guys with the glasses and the little sun visors that, you know, sit there looking at microbes, you know, I tend to, one science at this point. Yes. Well, because there's, there's so many things that I've noticed. One with what you said, as far as having the president send a letter to a soldier that has lost his life. Honestly, through my experiences and what I understand is how big army operates. I believe that the president himself isn't going to send a letter. It's going to be a print off of his handwriting, his signature, and it's going to be printed down to make it them feel special as sad as that is but that's the reality it's all all the information's on the internet you can all find it if you just know where to look and then with oh i had two other comments to make as far as the answer what you said that was really caught my attention what to come back to that okay yeah they don't come back um like the adage goes if it's important oh yes so with the the pandemic as far as 155,000 number, like thousand deaths. Okay. One, wouldn't you want to yep. challenge that information? Cause 155,000, that just seems like a ballpark rounded number. Like, wouldn't it be like maybe 149, 607, maybe and a half. We were to say there's a midget in there or something, but it's just, that is a ballpark number. And then if we look and study human behavior, as far as drink Lysol, it's it, to me, it, I'm perceiving it as a joke where it's like whatever, whatever you think, if that's what you think, then yeah, this is just do this. Cause now it's just, he's getting a kick out of it. So I'm looking at, does he know the real truth and we don't. And then the fact that we are falling in suit to what the media is telling us to do, it's kind of become hilarious as far as, yeah, you guys are. Yeah. What a great, what a great observation. And, and again, um, that that whole thought has crossed my mind many times. But here's 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 the clincher on that. Yeah, you got four different big media outlets going four different ways with the pandemic. And first, let me jump back to that number, one hundred fifty-five thousand. I just said one hundred fifty-five thousand. Right now, you can go to any of the media, and they'll have on the screen. Right now, there's probably 156,435 deaths. I mean, it's they're precise at any given moment. Uh, and you can go by state. You can go to the state of Missouri. They keep statistics by zip code of the infections and the, the deaths. You can plug in your zip code and see how many people have been tested positive for it, how many people have died for it, how many people are in the but hospital. See, the problem with that, yeah. though, is that they are making yeah. doctors now actually tailor any incidents related to COVID-19. So again. Absolutely. If you have a, if you come in and uh, you were in a car accident and died and they checked you for COVID and you had COVID, that would be reported as a COVID death. Even that, even though COVID might not have caused the death. I agree a hundred percent. Is that a good way to do it? I don't know. Is it misleading? Not necessarily. All it's saying is, we know this person had COVID because we tested them and they're dead now. Now, to, do you count that as a COVID death, even in my example, to make it easy, 
you know, he was run over by a truck and the, the running over his body is what killed his death. Yet I do believe, yes, that would be count in my understanding that would still be counted as a COVID death. And in a way, it, I think at the end of the day, what's important is we have to get it under control, whether there's 112,000 deaths, real deaths caused by COVID or 1200 deaths absolutely caused by COVID or 250. The, the fact is the infection is, is causing a lot of disruption. Um, there's a lot of people getting really sick from this virus we don't know much about. And it, it's a little out of control. It's a little out of control. And again, to think as 45 thinks that everything that he sees as a challenge, everybody who doesn't like him, everybody that doesn't listen to everything he says, they're against him. And you're either for me or against or against uh, me. And yeah. if you're against me, fuck you. That's an ultimatum. Yeah, no, and that's, he's black or white. Everything with him is, you know, black that's or white. That's a manipulation white. tactic. Exactly. And, and he goes back and forth and he changes his mind. He says, it, mail-in ballots are okay for the state of Florida, which is run by Republicans, incidentally. But Mail-in ballots are not okay, and I'm going to sue. He actually has filed suit. The United States government has filed suit against Nevada to keep them from doing mail-in voting. And that's, incidentally, a Democratic state, a Democrat mm -hmm. state. So it's okay in Florida because I got my buddies running it, but it's not okay in Nevada because I don't have my buddies running it. Well, couldn't you just look at, Lat like, when he initially got elected, actually just look at the data as far as, what what were the numbers in Nevada? Is that projected as far as, oh, well, we know Nevada hates you, so we're just going to try to help you out doing that? Yeah, well, keep in mind, I, I don't believe Nevada hates him at all. I don't believe any state hates him. <laughs> There's He has supporters in all 50 states. Um, he, he, and 30% of the population, what he said during the 2016 election, during the campaign, he said, and this is almost verbatim, you can Google this and you'll find it. It's not far off of what he said, but he said, I could stand on Fifth Avenue in New York City and shoot somebody and nothing would happen to me. Mm -hmm. And I believe he's absolutely true. That's true. That 30% of the population, I, I mean, wash his feet. You know, they're going to be with him regardless of what he does. And what's weird is much of those, the 30% of his supporters, strategically by the Electoral College, are located in really important Electoral College areas. I mean, that's how he won the election. If you, if you assume that our election return information is accurate, and it's a big assumption, but assuming, if you go with me and assuming that, he lost the popular election by 3 million votes. But, of course, he won the Electoral College, and the Electoral College is what elects the president. Okay. And he's not the only president that has lost the popular vote, but won the electoral vote. That's happened a few times throughout history. Um, but, but my point is, strategically, you got to have your support in those states that can 
make up for the fact that he's he's never gonna he didn't then and he won't now win California or New York. Um, I don't believe ever. I think he's going to lose Texas this year, which is unbelievable. But California is so liberal and so blue as a state. You know, he's never going to get a bunch of electoral. What does that mean as far as blue? Blue Democrat. Blue Democrat, red Republican. Yes. I don't know why that, how that started, but it was years ago. So, yeah, red is goes with Republican and blue is Democrat, um, liberal and conservative, uh, liberal being the Democrats generally and um, uh, conservatives being red or Republicans. Mm-hmm. And now there's so much melding because it's really hard to tell from the difference between a conservative Democrat, if there is such a thing, but let's pretend there is, from a conservative Democrat and a liberal Republican, if there is such a liberal Republican. But I I don't believe anything's black and white. I don't think anything's red or blue or, you know, liberal or conservative. I have real liberal views in some areas and fascist views, like our penal system. I'm quite a fascist when it comes to our our prison systems. you know, but when it comes to many social things, I'm quite liberal, you know. Like, like, what's the main accomplishment that both parties are trying to accomplish as far as, I mean, if you look at the Republic and then the Democratic. So, it, like, say if I were to choose a side, what would make it more appealing to me that I should join them or join the other one? Well, generally, I would say it, it depends on. Um, issues that are important to you um, determines whose platform, if you will, you support. And then ultimately you would support the people who will believe and work for that platform, that group of, of issues um, that we're going to do just easy, you know, universal health care. Okay. If you don't want universal health care, you're going to tend to move away from people that support, and platforms that support that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a universal income, minimum income, or a, a, a living wage, minimum wage. If you support that, you'll move that way. Um, if you're a progressive and want free college for everybody, that's a progress, that's a real left view that's crazy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why should wealthy people get free college? I mean, needy people. You know, if they have the wherewithal, yeah, there should be. But but those are some just three examples of issues. Capital punishment, abortion, um, the taxation, all these are various issues that parties and candidates build into their platform, and that's who you follow. The, the, but today, for the last three, four, five years, and really the last – since 2016, um, there, there's more to it because part of it is is trying to find the truth, who's in power, and you know the Democrats spend all their time saying, "Well, we can't do anything because we have a a republic, a Republican-controlled Senate." So, 
Mitch McConnell won't even put bills on the floor to vote, Mitch McConnell being the leader of the Senate, which is controlled by the Republicans. So there's no way um, if they vote on party lines, anything that happens in the Senate is going to be decided by the 60 Republican senators, unless 40 of the, um, uh, or just 51, if you will. Uh, some things require two-thirds majority, some are simple majorities, just require 51 votes. But the fact is, there are 60 Republican senators in the Senate. So if everybody votes on party lines, they're always going to win whatever they want. And Mitch McConnell's their leader. He's the one that allows bills to be brought onto the floor to be debated and ultimately voted on. But he, he won't even accept bills. The House sends the bills to the Senate legislation to the Senate. And Mitch McConnell goes, I'm not going to put that up for debate. We're not even going to talk about this fucking shit. You know, because I control this. You can't do anything about it. That's interesting. I mean, it's obtuse to think that 435 representatives of our federal government put forth a bill, regardless of whether the bill's good, bad, or indifferent, but they put a bill on your desk. And you, Mitch McConnell, now have to schedule it to be talked, discussed, and debated, and ultimately voted on. But if he doesn't put that on the table to be discussed, debated, and voted on, then he goes out and tells the president, "We can't do anything because the you know the Democrats that the House of Representatives is controlled by the Democrats." So you have the best and worst case scenario of our imperfect nation as the founders thought about it. You have these two different parties. We have three different levels of government, right? The executive, yes. the legislature, and, and the judicial. And they're all kind of independent, but they're more interdependent. Some have certain uh, explicit powers. Some powers are implied. Others are left to the courts to determine what guys 250 years ago meant when they said, this how do i interpret that and back then you know having um muskets as your self-defense it's okay to have weapons at the house well yeah you had a fucking musket and you would take a ramrod and clean it out and then take a cannonball or you know a big 45 caliber ball and stick it in the musket and then cram in more gunpowder and pull the trigger and hope you don't blow your head off they didn't envision that you would have an automatic weapon that could spray, you know, 150 bullets a, a minute or however fast some of those assault weapons that are designed yes. to kill people for military use. I, I've never been a hunter. I'm a fisher. I have friends and I've been hunting, uh, bow hunting. What interesting, um, what's very interesting is the fact that you said this document that's been written over 200 plus years ago, we didn't. We aren't thinking on their terms. I think that's the problem right now is the fact that we are looking back on something as important as it is, but we are looking at in modern day terms. And that's kind of, if you can, you can, that's very universal. If you were to look at religion, you actually understand religion on a more, more in-depth aspect. I'm same thing with philosophy. As far as if you were to look at it from their time, I think that will give you the understanding of what you should have and what you should be doing for the people rather than looking at it for today, because now we have biases and 
fallacies that we fall victim to without even knowing it, or we have other agendas as far as like a quid pro quo. No, there's so many factors, and I just think that they're not really taking that consideration. And I mean, why not? If I'm up there, it's like fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what's good for me. Yeah, and that's I think again, I, you know, you just nail some of these so quickly and and concisely. I don't know anything about the government. I, under the- you know, your your intuition is so spot on. I mean, it just is because. When we look at the, our Constitution, this document that was written 200 plus years ago, sometimes I atmospherically extract a number like 250. I don't know, it, but it's over 200 years old, I think, because it was done in the 1700s. Um, it, it, it's like, too, it's like the Old Testament on, on a, and again, I'm talking more philosophy than religious, but if you take this document, the Old Testament, that is pretty old, um, it, and I believe our Constitution, it's a guide and it's dynamic. It's not static. The Bible's not static. They don't, the Bible's, we, we know the Old Testament is scientifically not accurate. We know the universe was not created in seven days, according to the scientists. Yes. You know, I mean, it might have taken nine days. I don't <laughs> know. I mean, you know, it was a big bag, you know. Uh, it, but so, it, it doesn't matter. You you know, people that, that are uh, study the Bible and are observant religious people and theologians, when they interpret biblical stuff, they try to bring it current today so it's meaningful. When we take our Constitution, our the founders of our country, I mean, when you stop and think about what they did, they, they had nothing to look at. They had no other blueprint in the world at the time to examine and how do we put this together? Because, I mean, the only thing they could compare to was maybe the Magna Charta. I think that was in the 1600s. Um, so they might have looked at that. What's that? Um, the Magna Charta? I never heard of that. So that, that's a, a document similar to the Constitution. I think it was in England. But it was done in the 1600s, and I think it was the English government or people against the monarchy in England put together this big document, big document, Magna Charta, that talked about inalienable rights that we should have, even us little surf guys, you know, that no, you know, are beholden to the king and the queen. Um, so. Our Constitution might have some framing around those general concepts because it starts with our Bill of Rights, you know, inalienable rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. All of us are created created equal, except slaves are only three-fifths of a person. I mean, can you, it's actually written in the Constitution that the slaves, they're chattel property like a cow, except they don't count is one slave is only three-fifths of a person. Larry, so I have a, I have a question now. It just popped in my head. I'm a really deep thinker, and I want you to try to stay with me. So with the, when I was in the military, <clears throat> with enlisted, and you go in and become, like after a period of time, you become non-commissioned officer. And I was a sergeant at the time. And with officers, they come in as commissioned. Well, they had their own set of principles they had to follow, as well as I had my own set. I'm, cla- I'm categorizing myself 
with every other NCO. And I'm trying to relate that to like the American population. What if we're following these sets of principles that the government is supplying to us and then they have their own set of principles, something that they actually fall because there's always somebody telling somebody else what to do. There's always authoritarian at the very top. So my question is, is there another level, another hierarchy of, I'm losing it right now. Come on, stay with it, Greg. Another like level of understanding that we don't have, that we don't know what's going on as far as maybe, maybe they have their own document that says this is your principles on how you are supposed to be to issue this to America? Uh, the short answer is yes. Smart-ass answer, <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, it, it, what I'm saying is, obviously that's a little sarcastic. I will, my, my thought, my belief, my opinion today, um, at the highest levels of our government, at the Oval Office and the, the people that sit around the cabinet table, there aren't any principles. It's all ad hoc. It's all what serves 45. It's all what serves 45's cabinet and his cronies. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, let me step back for a minute. I'm not saying Obama was any different, except a couple things. Perception-wise, he was a lot different. He had principles that public, the public knew. He might've had those other principles that guided him in all his public decisions. But what if he wanted you to make you think he had principles? I don't, for me, yeah, looking at he, people, I like to study as far as when somebody comes off as too perfect, that makes me wonder. Absolutely. It's in, and again, in our world, especially in the business world, in the corporate world, in the, that structure world, and this is one thing I really like about the military because I don't believe it's that important in the military, but perception in the business world, in politics, is key. Performance isn't. Perception outperforms performance every time. That's interesting. Okay. I, that, again, it's just it's a belief I'm stuck with. I mean, I've been around the corporate world to know enough to know how do these non-performers excel in a corporation? because perception and the political camp they live in is the correct camp, you know, and they're perceived to be a good old boy, you know, and people want good old boys. You want people that think and act like you do around you. Most of us, you know, especially when it comes to a business environment or you're getting ready to go make a major purchase, you want to buy it from somebody that you believe really has some of your interests, you know, ulteriorly, they may have different interests in mind, but they're going to take you into consideration. A really good salesperson will put you at number one, because that'll make him more sales over the long run. But if he's like 45 and he's in it for the short run, he just, you know, mm -hmm. bang, bang, thank you, ma'am. Next, <laughs> bang, bang, thank you, ma'am. Next. No, it, you know, it's, it, so, I think there very well may be a, another set of guiding principles for high level of 
leaders in management, not only in our government, but in large corporations, in medium-sized businesses, just like there are in families. You know, I, I mean, I, especially me, I mean, I, I'm, I don't point or throw rocks into glass houses because I know how many mistakes <laughs> I make, but I can't tell you how many times I've told my kids, do as I say, not as I do. So in a way I have a separate set of operating principles, but I have a different operating set of operating principles I'd like my kids to live by. This is, this is what I wish I would have done with my life, you know, mm -hmm. but these principles back here, for whatever the reasons, I allowed them to guide me down the road I, I took. Yes. So that's an incredible observation. The scary part is, is what if part of those other principles, the um, hidden, and there's a better word than hidden, um, the obscure, secret, I'm not sure what the word is, that set of principles, if they're put together and guided by foreign powers, okay, I mean, that's frightening, especially because there's very few foreign powers I can think of that are as democratic, for lack of a better word, as the United States. Of all the things that are wrong with the United States, all the things that people complain about. At the end of the day, I don't know that there's another country that I'm aware of that I'd rather live, you know, be, because we do have liberties that are, that are pretty, pretty widespread in, in um, not a lot of direct authoritarianism. I mean, in some countries, some of the stuff we're talking about right now, we could be put in jail for the rest of our lives and beaten severely, yes. you know, and bamboo splints under our fingernails and shit. Mm -hmm. um, and thanks to people like you and people that have served and serve in the military, they protect and fight and sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice, but huge sacrifices. You've sacrificed huge. Your time in the military has, I believe, changed a lot in your life, a lot in your psyche. Oh, yes. Good, bad, or indifferent. I, I mean, it, it's, it's had remarkable changes. But we, the public, owes so much to the military because that's what allows us to have conversations like this. Because otherwise, an authoritarian-type person or country could take over and say, you can't talk about us like that. The only television networks you can watch are state controlled. We'll take care of the media problem. We're just going to give you our propaganda. It's all you ever get to see. Um, no, we're flooded with sometimes I think too much media from coming from all different views. What I don't understand though, is what with military, I personally never gotten deployed overseas. I signed up for infantry. I was ready to go overseas. I extended my contract. I was very pristine in my job. I was super soldier. And I can say that with confidence because of how much deliberate action that I applied myself every day. Other guys would be out getting hammered drunk, not me. I would actually be at home studying, reinforcing, refining. And it would show in my character every step that I'd taken outside on post. But what I've noticed and what I've heard with people that get deployed, 
a lot of it is just a bunch of nonsense is like, why are you, why are we here? Why are we doing this as a security detail? What are we, what are we doing here? And the fact that if damages are done, I believe the U.S. has to pay for those damages because we inflicted on them. But the point is why they were sent there in the first place. And then we go back. That raises one suspicion. Another suspicion is with the media as far as we know it's controlled. We know there's manipulation behind it. And that's the only source is that we are constantly taken in. To me, it just it rings a bell as far as like like a cult almost. It's like it's all different control of getting you to believe in something that you don't believe. And it, it really raises a lot of suspicions in my head. Are are you familiar with <clears throat> when you mentioned cult, it reminded me of the current contemporary uh organization, group, cult, I'm not sure the right word to use. Q Anon? No. The letter Q in A N O N. Google that. Um, it, it hits right on what you're talking about, I believe. Um, it, when you start talking about that, the, the, the cult, the cult. Um, and again, when you, you, what you just shared about the military in when the military is over in some country doing whatever um, their orders are, uh, number one, I believe the military is very principled. Um, and there could be different principles in the military. Having never been in the military, I don't know, but I, my observation in general, the military is very principled, very disciplined. And those principles dictate, for lack of a better word, um, how uh, all the orders are carried out. And the military is respectful of this hierarchy. Um, you know, a, a private first class isn't going to smart off to a, a sergeant or a general or a lieutenant mm, yes. um, without severe repercussions. Obviously not so in civilian life. But um, so when you talk about those um, unknown principles, I think in the military, those exist probably at the highest level of military that communicate with our highest levels of leaders yes. so that, and this is what I fear about today in, in our present administration that's leading the country is we've seen, I mean, 45 has, has just downplayed some of the country's contemporary great generals when they served him, when they were on his cabinet, he said, these are the greatest people in the world. And then when they would go against his wishes and then talk negative about him, because if you aren't with him, you're against him. Mm -hmm. That general, I don't know how he became general. He was worthless. General Mattis, for example, or John Kelly. I mean, you know, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent. As far as somebody in a power position, the fact that if somebody with a high status, not as yours, but he's up there where he can make a ripple, the person in, completely in charge, if they feel threatened, they can almost insult them in front of everybody. 
what are you going to do about it? I just insulted you. You're not going to do anything. At that point, he falls, he follows suit or they get rid of him. That is how you maintain control of the people you're trying to influence. Exactly. And that's exactly what's happened in our administration. My example, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Mad Dog Mattis resigned. And I don't believe he was fired at all. I really believe his resignation did come as a surprise to 45. Um, but yeah, he, he said, I can't work with you anymore in his reg resignation letter. He didn't say it exactly in those words, but that's really what his letter said is, I can't work with you anymore. You know, you have, you don't have a word, you know, all we have is our word. Yes. Uh, you don't have a word. And so our allies don't know, you know, you pull out a fucking treaties, you know, just like he breaks contracts with business people, you know, and chooses not to pay business people. The Trump campaign still owes the federal government tens of millions of dollars from his inauguration that his camp, it's not him. But his campaign fund has not paid that bill. It's three and a half fucking years old. Could you imagine if you didn't pay your cable bill for three and a half years? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Or your electric bill? Yes. Yeah, no, I meant to say that. So here's people that have the money and they don't pay it. It's not because they don't have the money. I don't have the $45 million. No, I got like $120 million laying here. But, you know, what are you going to do? Fire me? You know, I mean, so you're 100% correct that, yeah, and that's exactly what Trump has done. And, and I'm not saying that Obama and Bush and Clinton didn't do things like that, but they didn't always do it. And they had some modem of respect. It's rumored right now. It's rumored right now that 45 is going to do his acceptance for the nomination of the president of the United States, that speech that normally would take place at the Republican convention, which isn't happening live because of COVID. But virtually he's put out for everybody to think about that I think I'm gonna do my acceptance speech from the White House, maybe even in the Oval Office. There's no law that says he can't do that, mm -hmm. but how appropriate is it for a sitting president to use the White House as a campaign stump. I, I mean, it, nothing political comes out of the, as far as that kind of campaign rhetoric, especially if you've ever listened to any of his campaign rallies. Never, I mean, never listened to any garbage. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's entertaining and, and comical, it's, it's just, the, the comedy is at the expense, not only of the American public, but of, of the world in general, mm -hmm. uh, all opinion. I mean, you know, yes. uh, in as many people as you can probably find to agree with what I just said, there's, you know, some portion of people that would disagree with it. Yeah. They're not going to, people are going to be offended and people are going to appreciate it, but just so I get this out there, I don't have a clue with what is happening in politics. I choose not to watch it because yeah. I can, it's, it's, it's a discernment that I have. It's when I can tell people are trying to manipulate me, I just don't want to hear it because that's not the truth. What they're telling me is what they want me to believe. And when somebody's trying so hard, it's just, you get that funny feeling. I choose not to 
give it to them not to listen because you continue to listen. Okay, well, now I haven't left. Now I'm allowing myself to accept this information. You continue and you continue. Now you start to believe it. I mean, we don't have any self-awareness today in society. I've noticed that. It's like, how do you, how, how are you still alive? There's people I came across where I asked that question as far as just, really? You make that mistake? You are not even aware there's somebody behind you? It's, it's a bunch of nonsense. It is. And, and I think that's the challenge for today. Not today, but right now in the present time, the, the, what the world, what the country is going through right now is um, centered around the fact there's so many levers of power that are trying to grab you, your attention, and persuade you to their way of thinking, believing, and living. That, yeah, I, and there's some herd mentality in that you got a herd over here following that shepherd. Yes. And you got a herd over here following that shepherd. And this shepherd tells that shepherd and their flocks, you know, no, don't, don't fuck around and listen to them. They're absolutely 100% wrong. There can't be anything right over there with that. And there's so much divisiveness in, in, in our country, in the world. Um, it, it is exhausting mm -hmm. because, like I said, as a news junkie, I mean, it, it's a hobby. But um, because I watch and ingest so many of these talk shows, I have to spend a fair amount of time on the Internet searching for what I believe what I believe are is factual, unbiased information. And I don't believe there's anything that's a hundred percent unbiased. Yes. I, I mean, you, but you can talk about facts, even if you have a bias, if, if we want to talk about two plus two equals four, that's a fact. Maybe it's not in quantum mathematics. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's way above where I could even think, but as I know, two plus two, it equals four on the calculator. That's how it turns out. And I can get a bunch of people to agree with me that it is. That's a, and if you'll accept that as a fact, I can tell you opinions on, you know, well, so should three plus one be four also? If two plus two is four. I mean, we could debate <laughs> stuff. But what we can't debate is two plus two equals four. But then all of a sudden with 45's administration, you know, his big communications director early on in his campaign, when the 45 was caught in an outright lie that the photograph disproved what he said. And Kelly Conway said, well, it's just an alternative fact. Oh, so four plus six could equal four because that's just an alternative fact. That's a few minutes ago. You, you asked that question about mm -hmm. truth. And my answer was, I don't know, because at the end of the day, it's hard to discern what is the truth. Or what's actually socially acceptable. What he did was ballsy, and he owned it like a boss. Yeah. And people, for manipulating people, if you, can, if you can face that with confidence and, I mean, with witty humor or just a way of words, it can be like, well, maybe he's right. Because you're up there, I'm down here. So that maybe you're right. Maybe I am wrong. And that's exactly, 
exactly what he does. And he's a master. 45 is a master at that. And his, his ardent followers, um, you know, are, are drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> they stay with the cult, you know. Um, they're, they're drinking that Kool-Aid. Um, and he can't do any wrong. Uh, and it, it's, I think our American politics have become very cult -like, Yes. You know, and, and, and it's frightening, especially having been raised in, in the 50s and gone, gone through the, the Norman Rockwell growing up kind of lifestyle that doesn't exist anymore. There's no middle class. My dad was, a, we, we didn't have any money. I mean, I never wanted for anything. We lived in a really nice three bedroom, semi-suburban home, went to good public schools. I grew up in a diverse neighborhood. So there were, um, you know, the, I went to school with Afro-Americans, with some Asians, uh, with whites, with Jews, with non-Jews, with tall people, you know, so I had a really nice, that, that the way I grew up riding bikes, playing outside, play football on people's lawns, um, have a rotary dial phone, which what I miss most about that is w when you're tired of fucking talking to somebody, they piss you off and you fucking slam that receiver yes. down on a desk. Then unhook the damn I mean, thing. They, so then they can't even call. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can't with a, a cell phone, First of all, you'll break it if you slam it down on the table. You know, it's cracked screen. But how satisfying is that when you're talking to somebody, you have an argument, you motherfucker. <laughs> you know, you slam it down, you walk away, and then the phone rings again, and you don't know if it's them or not, right? Because there's no caller ID. <laughs> and you run to get it because, again, there, there weren't even recorders back then. So who the fuck called me? I missed the call. Oh, my God. You know, it could be the publisher's clearinghouse that won the $10 million. You know, fuck, what do I do? But, um, now you bring back, a, a, there's a good question I wanted to ask you. It was with the levers. Who do you think is actually pulling the levers? I, I mean, honestly, I mean, just speculation, but just from hearing how things sound, I mean, just is pulling it right out of my ass. I feel like it's foreign, something foreign that's not, that's not, it's telling us how they operate. It's just, it's too, it's just too out there. Yeah. So think about this. I, I agree with you. And, and on the, the person pulling our lever, a, a foreign entity, I should say, a foreign government, perhaps. Yes. I mean, somebody that's got the most on the table, mm -hmm. somebody or entity or government that has the most to lose based on what the United States does. It's fucking China. You know how many, you know how many treasury notes China owns? No. I, I don't either, <laughs> but a boatload. A boatload. I mean, you, we could look it up. I, they, they have hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars of short-term treasury notes. It's a good fucking investment, right? We're a sure bet. You know, mm -hmm. we've never defaulted on an interest payment the country. Um, so if they called all their notes, I mean, we would be bankrupt as a nation. What would happen is the, our mint would just start printing money. Like what happened to Germany, you know, around world war one, maybe, um, when their economy just collapsed, they just started printing more Deutschmarks. Um, so our, you know, mint presses just start 
printing off a whole bunch of hundred dollar bills and you know we pay them with all this money that not only we haven't had a gold standard for fuck years i mean i think fort knox only has maybe 11 billion dollars of gold you know i mean that's why if you look at your bills it doesn't say silver certificate it's been years since it said silver certificate it says federal reserve note it's an iou yes. from your federal government you know saying we owe you this much money <laughs> you'll accept our word and believe in God, you know, and then, you know, this money has value. But if we don't accept your word, there's no value to it. And likewise, if somebody holding all this debt decides to call it, I mean, picture a business that has a commercial note that they keep paying interest on. And one day they come in to renew their 90 day note for a million dollars to this bank. And the banker says, you know, we've been carrying this note. I know you pay interest <clears throat> every quarter, just like you're supposed to, always on time, sometimes even early. But we got to reduce the principal on this thing. In fact, I want to close it out this year. So I'm going to call the note. Give me the million dollars plus the interest right now. I mean, the business probably would throw its hands and say, I don't have that kind of cash. We have to fold up. We have to go bankrupt. I, all my employees have to be without jobs. And I'm going to shut down the business because I can't do it. Now, picture China that has holds all these treasury notes. You know, if there came a point where they could call them and say, okay, you know, I'm sick of, you know, collecting my half percent interest, whatever the interest payment is on those. Um, I just, I, give me my money back. You know, cash me out. I'm done. That's be really ugly. So what I'm saying is they may have a big lever, wittingly or otherwise, to the United States. Because, too, we're so dependent upon China. And, and two, when you stop and think about it, in today's term, this just popped into my head, so it's coming totally off the cuff. But as actually this whole conversation is. But in China, they've got, I think, the world's largest population in China. Yes. Okay? So if they lose 10 million people to the pandemic, population-wise, it's not going to bother them. And they probably were meaningless workers anyway, you know, which is a whole different yeah. discussion. You know, yeah. what's happened to the working class and the middle class and the upper, the elites and what they do. Um, uh, but, you know, 10 million people to China, I've always said that if if war ever went back, reverted to like it was in World War One, where, you know, you dig a ditch here and the enemy digs a ditch yeah. there. And, you know, you just like march towards each other and shoot. You can't beat China. Just flank after flank after flank after flank after flank, you know, and then they bring in, you know, the the Indians, the INDA, you know, to, to start building. You know, those two countries, the population, statistically, I don't know, but probably is, is three-fifths of the world's population in those two countries. And that was purely atmospherically extracted. But there's huge populations in those two countries. Larry, I... I mean, the United States hardly has any population worldwide. We got 350 million people in what, 3 trillion people, I think, is what lives here on Earth? A bunch of people? Yes. I, I, I'll have to um, Google that, but I want to get you some numbers and comment on something. First sure. off, 
I have a dark sense of humor. So if you say <laughs> we lose 10 million people there, or I, th I, I think it's funny because I have a great imagination. Like just picture uh, the movie Joker, the very end where he, he's on stage, says his spiel, shoots the dude in the head. I think that's fucking hilarious because it's just to go out like a boss, make that on yeah. that stage impression. It's like, okay, that was really funny. I was the only one laughing there, everybody. But I just wanted to get that out there because I will laugh at the most random times. And that's because I'm thinking in my own world of like, what if I was like this? How would this? But with the total deaths, as far as COVID-19 as of today is 8.5 million. And then. That's the yes. world. Yeah. And then the transition is why do we have to rely on on China for export, import, export. Why can't we just go through uh, Mexico? I mean, what's. Well, yeah, I mean, but we're so locked into China. I mean, that, I think that's part of the problem we had, especially early on, and I believe we're still having it, relative to providing the PPE. We were so dependent upon China. Okay, and so now the pandemic, which 45, 45 says that China did it on purpose. I'm not going to debate that one way or the other. Just I'm just saying that's what he mm -hmm. says. So when you take that into consideration, let's not do business with China. You know, they've fucked us forever on the trade agreements. And now they sent this terrible pandemic to us in the world. Um, and we're not going to do business with them. Yet at that moment, we still needed PPE and none of the factories yeah. here had converted anything. Um, so we're getting all the PPE from the people that are probably putting together boxes of masks and, you know, they're blowing in COVID-19 in there. <laughs> okay, next. <sighs> no, I mean, that's a weird yeah. conspiracy, but they go pretty dark too. Um, what a cool way, you know, to take care of a potential enemy, you know. Uh, but just with that, I, I know what a lead, a real leader is. It's, it's somebody who puts it's the welfare of people first. That is me. I apply that every day. I, any innocent person I see on the street that is up at risk of getting mugged or getting hurt, I will be the first one on the scene before anybody else. I know that for a fact. And I will step in front of that gun and try to hurt that person. I'm trained. I understand. They, the other person doesn't. They're just getting mugged. But that, that is just a trait of somebody who takes pride in themselves, who has good principles. And the people that I see on TV very briefly, because I just don't watch it. To me, it's boring because I don't want to hear somebody say they're going to do something when they don't. It's like listening to the weatherman. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be raining today. <laughs> no, it's not. Sorry. But I, I just, it just doesn't come off as really neat. And I can see it on their face as far as just the light. There's no life inside their eyes. It, it really makes you wonder. You talk about your principles, which comes across, came across on the phone in our first conversation. But it reminds me, a book I read, and it was, and don't ask me the name of the book, but the author was referring to military leaders when he talked about, well, the name of the book, in fact, is Leaders Eat Last. Ah, uh, I have heard of that book. You know, and... All I'm saying is that's really what you just said, how you run your life is that you're watching out for the other person. You, 
if you see somebody in, again, this is metaphorical, but if you see somebody that's hungry and you have a sandwich, you're going to, you know, if this is your last sandwich that you know you have, you strike me as the type of person that would slice it in half and give it to that person that's starving before you even yes. eat. I, I grew up, you in know, very. That's a leader. And that, that's what you said. That's what the country and the world is missing with the United States. We don't have that kind of leader. Um, and and I, I, I know I can't say that's factual, but as close as you can get to that opinion as being factual, if you look at a principled leader, if you look up what leadership is, other than the power he has and the ability he has to have people follow him, um, th th there's nothing like a leader in 45. Which so, I, 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 it, Leaders eat last. He has no concept of that. I don't think we're ever going to have a leader like that in America as a president because people that go up and climb up to the ranks to become president aren't usually that type. I think maybe we might have one president that was in the military, but everybody that has become president, they don't possess that because the people that do possess these principles, they don't, they don't brag about it. That's their way of life. Point. People that do yes. brag are the people I don't trust. Right. And that's, I'm 100% in agreement on that. And it, it really, um, when you compare our current leadership to previous leadership, there's a remarkable difference when it comes to that. And I'm not disagreeing that, yeah, anybody that, that um, pursues that level of leadership Again, because nobody forces you to, okay, you got to be president of the United States. I don't want to. No, come on. You got to be. No, it's somebody says, I want to be president of the United States. And I'm not talking about the kid in third grade. What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm talking about, you know, somebody that, you know, maybe served in city politics and then state politics and then federal politics. And somebody said, you know, you'd make a good president. You got a good following. I think we've had in, in, in my 69 years here on earth. Um, I've lived through a few presidents. Um, the, the first one I was alive that I lived through that I knew about was military general. That was yes. Eisenhower. Um, but then Kennedy was too brief. Uh, Johnson, um, people can say, well, he, 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 let, he let everybody else eat first because he signed the civil rights bill. Um, and, uh, you know, you had Ford. We had Nixon, who really opened, I know you could go one way or the other. Nixon opened up the door to China because we had no relationship with them. Was that good door to open? I don't know. But nobody else could open the door up until Nixon. I, I'm not and wasn't a Nixon fan, but I would trade 45 in on Nixon in a fucking New York minute. Because um, at least Nixon admitted, you know, his shit. You know, um, he admitted once he got caught, I mean, he admitted, but this guy would never admit any mistake that he's ever made in his whole fucking life. He takes no responsibility for anything and he's the leader. So he fits exactly 
what you said. He he's not he doesn't deserve to be a leader because he's all about himself. But so as I go through all these presidents that I lived through, each of them had some redeeming, you know, big thing that they accomplished, important to society in general. Um, and some of those presidents, while they were egomaniacs, you have to be an egomaniac to to be in that spotlight. Bill Clinton, if Bill Clinton was a normal guy like you or me, nobody would have known that Monica gave him a blowjob. <laughs> you know, I could be having a blowjob right now and you wouldn't know it and no press would ever know it when the gal left, you know, and she wouldn't probably go brag. I just gave Oliver a blowjob. Okay. I mean, yeah, you're 20 years old, whatever, and you give the president of the United States a blowjob in the fucking Oval Office. I'm going to tell all my buddies, you know, I'm going to tell my friends. But all I'm saying is presidents are held, leaders at that level are held to a different level, a different bar. The bar has to be much higher for them. And it's good and bad for them. They have no private life. The press respected the privacy of presidents a long time ago. Nobody really knew that JFK was a womanizer till well after he was dead. Because the press knew that Marilyn Monroe was going over there every night and they were doing whatever they do. But the press said, you know what? It's not affecting his ability right now. And he's not going to tell Marilyn Monroe secrets about Russia, you know, in the heat of passion. Oh, my God, I'm coming. And, oh, did I tell you Khrushchev, you know, slammed the shoe under the desk? No, it didn't happen. Because the press, you know, that, that's really off grounds. But all of a sudden... I don't know when exactly it became on grounds for the press to be up in our leader's ass. They don't need to be up in our leader's ass that far. They can be up there as a check, but we, the public don't need to know it. You know, we don't need to know that 45 drinks, 12 diet Pepsis a day or whatever he does. Yeah. Who cares? So it's a bunch you of know? nonsense, anyway. but I could definitely tell if you were getting a blow job, Larry, just by, just looking at, I can judge your posture, the dilation in your eyes, as far as that goes, with lips becoming plump and start turning <laughs> bored, starts to sweat, and just, yeah, I can yeah. just, I can kind of yeah. just see it. Like, yeah, Larry, you're definitely getting a blowjob right now during this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can you wait a minute? Because I'm going to, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I could dream about that, but, you know, it's, you know. Uh, no. This has been a really good interview. Hey, I, I really enjoyed it. You're so insightful. Uh, you know, it. it's refreshing. It, it's refreshing for an old guy like me to know that there's at least one of you. And, and I'm imagining that there's a whole bunch of people as insightful as you. I don't know how everybody can corral them and create some really positive energy around that and get some things um, different in the world today. But um, you, and, and you have leadership abilities, um, uh, could be a force in, in corralling people that they care about principles, they care about values, they care about other people. I think that's very you important know? in this world. And I appreciate that. I don't know how to take um, positive feedback. It's something I'm not used to. So I'm going to just say thank you for that. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Larry, would you like to be the co-host for this show? 
Yeah, I would love to. Awesome. Appreciate it. I love it. You've been listening to your transformation station, rediscovering your true identity and purpose on this planet. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Join us weekly on Monday for the YTS Challenge and bi-weekly on Wednesday for the exclusive interviews at 8 p.m. Central Time. In the meantime, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at YTS The Podcast. We'll be back soon. Until then, this is your transformation station, signing off.